0: Well, I pray this word as an encouragement helped you. And uh, as we begin the new year, I just want to pray for all of your families, uh, your marriages, your children, if you have grandchildren like I do, 13. pray for your grandchildren, pray for your unsaved relatives. Pray for this church to be filled to capacity this year. By January 23, let this church be filled to capacity. Is that a good prayer or not? Yes. So we pray for all of this as the new year starts. It's exciting to see what God is going to do this year in this church. We have no idea. And for all we know, Jesus could return this year. That would be wonderful, especially at my age. Come, Jesus. Maranatha, Jesus. Take us out of here. Right? Okay. So I pray also that God would give you the desires of your heart. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Um, 2021 was not a good year. It brought an alarming increase in evil all around us, a pandemic, blatant crime, lawlessness, an authoritarian government, inflationary destruction of our economy, and an increasing resistance to God and his word. So we need to keep our eyes and hearts focused on Jesus at all times. So as we enter 2022, people are making all kinds of resolutions, aren't they? Resolutions to lose weight, resolutions to give up alcohol or drugs, resolutions to be a better father, husband, mother, resolutions to exercise more, and the list goes on and on and on. Now, some of these resolutions that people make at this time of year, are beneficial to them and to the people around them. Some are not, but they won't last through the year because all of these resolutions people make at this time of year are resolutions of the earth, of this life. So they really don't have that much significance in terms, in terms of changing a person's life. But I have a better resolution for you tonight. Turn to Psalm 37, please. Psalm 37, verse 4 Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of your heart. So first comes delighting in the Lord, and the promise is from him, when we delight in him, he will give us the desires of our heart. Delighting comes first, the promise comes next. God is saying to us in this scripture, I want the best for you when you delight in me. Now, I want to reinforce tonight some of the points that Brother Don shared with us last time he spoke to us. A little more depth, but similar. So one of the resolutions, brothers and sisters, we should make this year is to delight ourselves more in the Lord. God doesn't want us as Christians to be stagnant as we enter 2022. But he wants us to continually grow spiritually. And one of the ways we can grow spiritually is to delight in him. As Christians, delighting in the Lord is a conscious decision that we make. God won't force us or make us Delight in Him. We choose to see the goodness of God regardless of the circumstances that come upon us in life. The Hebrew meaning for the word delight in this verse 4 means to find pleasure and satisfaction in something. What a ro- wonderful resolution. I resolve this year to delight more in my God, to find more pleasure and more satisfaction in Him. So, tonight I'd like to share some thoughts with you about Psalm 37, verse 4. When we delight in the Lord, we find pleasure and satisfaction in who He is, in what He's done, in what He's doing and in what promises he is making for the future. And our delight and satisfaction in him should continue to grow each year and remain in us until God takes us home from this earth. There's so much about the Lord to delight in, it would take a month of Sundays to express our delight. But let's start with Exodus 33, please. Exodus 33, verse 16. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Asked Moses. Is it not that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. We're going to be separate. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. So Moses wasn't satisfied in knowing God, the powerful, mighty God that set his people free from Pharaoh and the Egyptians all those miracles that set those people free from Pharaoh and the evil of Egypt. He didn't care about that anymore. Moses wanted more. He wasn't satisfied in what he knew about God. He wanted to know as much about God as God would graciously reveal to him. And God saw the heart of Moses, that Moses found pleasure and satisfaction in knowing who he was. And the desire of Moses' heart were aligned aligned with the will of God for him. When you or I delight in the Lord, and God sees in our heart a desire to know him, and find pleasure and satisfaction in him, in a greater way and deeper way, to know more as much about him as we can know, as he would reveal to us, our desire to know God more aligns with his will for us because God wants us to know more about him. That's God's desire for us, and that should be our desire. I believe we all need to pray, Lord, I can't get enough of you. I want to know all about you. And I I believe a prayer like that from our heart will get God's attention, and God will answer our prayers just as he answered the prayer of Moses. Now Moses in these verses gives us a good beginning description of why we should find pleasure in God, be satisfied in God, and delight in him. If you look at the next page, or uh, uh, chapter 34, it's maybe on the same page, verse 5, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the the children's children until the third and fourth generation. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Moses made haste. He couldn't get on his face fast enough after hearing that from God. He found true pleasure and satisfaction in the attributes of God's nature that God revealed to him in this particular verse. Moses delighted in his God. His request to know more about God was aligned with God's will for him. When the desires of our heart align with the will of God to know more about him, I believe he will reveal himself to us in a greater way. Now I want to encourage you tonight, all of you, to consider making these attributes of God that I will share with you tonight, part of your prayer life. But use your own words, not my words. Use your own words expressing the thoughts of your heart. So, Lord, I delight in all that you are. So maybe you would say, Lord, I delight in all that you are. You're my creator. You're my savior. Lord, I delight in all that you've done. Lord, you saved my soul. You set me free from sin. Lord, I delight in all that you're doing. You're changing me, Lord. You're making me more like yourself. You're using me for your glory. Lord, I delight in all that you will do. The future, my future. You have my future planned for me. You know exactly where you're taking me. Those are examples of those statements and prayers. Lord, I delight in all that you are. I delight in all that you've done. I delight in all that you're doing. And I delight in all that you will do. So we should delight in all, the, all that the Lord is. As he revealed to Moses, we should delight in God's mercy, his grace, his patience, goodness toward us, his truth, his word, and his willingness to forgive our sins. Considering these attributes of God that he revealed to Moses should cause us to delight in him. But there's so much more to delight in God. We should delight in his plan of salvation, Before there was time, or the earth as we know it, in his willingness to send his only precious Son, Jesus Christ, to save our souls, a Son whom he loved with deepest love possible and whom he shared eternity with. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. God was not satisfied to leave us in our sinful state and for us to be condemned to hell for eternity. We should also delight in his creative power. Genesis 131 reads, God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. We should delight in his miraculous creation of man, for the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground breathed breath into his nostrils, and man became a living soul. Psalm 139 says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He said to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. We should delight that God thinks about us continually. Can you imagine that? God thinks about you and me continually. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O oh God, how great is the sum of them! God loves his children so much, he continually thinks about them. What a father we have. We should delight in his faithfulness, for he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Though all, through all the challenges and blessings of life, God says he will be with us, even at our death. We should delight in his perfect timing, We want everything yesterday. God says, trust my timing, for my timing is perfect. We should delight in God setting us in this church, for God sets the members in the body as it pleases him. If you are here tonight, it was God who drew you here and placed you here where he wanted. We should delight in his compassion, his gentleness, for he says a bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not extinguish. Our God, with all of his power, is also the gentlest Savior we could ever know. We should delight in our Heavenly Father who will never forget. Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. God says, I'll never forget you. Never. Never. We should delight in his generosity. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We should delight in his protection. He's our buckler, a high tower, protector, shield, and defense. We should delight in the peace he gives us that passes all understanding. We should delight in his holiness, his truth, and his word. We should delight in his miracles, his signs and wonders. We should delight in his help. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. We should delight in his healing. I am the God that heals all diseases. We should also, brothers and sisters, delight in all that God has done for us. We should delight in the willingness of Jesus to leave all the splendor and glory of his heavenly home and throne and come to live on this earth as a man, to pay the penalty for our sins by suffering a terrible death on a wooden cross. We should delight in his triumph over sin and death, his triumph over the devil and over the powers of darkness and evil. We should delight in the love Jesus has for us. We should delight that Jesus desires to develop his character in us. We should delight in the goodness of Jesus. We should delight in God's word that has been preserved through the ages of time, not being a temporary delight, but an eternal delight. We should delight in the example Jesus has given to all believers to follow in his word. We should delight in Jesus sending us the Holy Spirit, our companion, our comforter and teacher, the Holy Spirit who guides us through life day by day, the Holy Spirit who patiently corrects us when needed. We should delight in the promise of Jesus to build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. We should delight in this house that God has built for our benefit. We should delight in the men and women God has used to build this church. We should delight in every faithful brother or sister in this church. We should delight in all the ministries of this church that God has engineered, the music ministry, the Sunday school ministry, the academy that God has given us for our children. We should delight in every new believer who attends this church and turns himself or herself over to the Lord Jesus Christ. We should also delight in all that God is doing for us, working in us to change us to be more like Jesus, working in us to help us be more obedient to him and his word, fighting our battles, both temporal and spiritual, working behind the scenes for our good, preparing hearts for us to witness to and receive the truth of the gospel, providing for us day by day. Praise the Lord. Praise God, our Savior, for each day he carries us in his arms. He loves us and encourages us when we're troubled, keeping us pure and giving us wisdom to make the right decisions in life, motivating motivating us to seek a better country in the heavens and not be satisfied with this life. Finally, we should also delight in all that God will do for us in the future. God says, I know the plans I have for you. God knows the plans he's got for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope of the future. That's the plan God has for you. The Apostle Paul said, Eye has not seen, ears not heard, neither have entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Paul said, Whether in the body I can't tell, out of the body I can't tell. God knows. I was caught up into the third heaven. I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, God knows how he was caught up into paradise, heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one, I will glory. Paul says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Daniel said, I was left alone and saw this great vision, there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned into corruption, and I retained no strength. Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and receive you unto myself, that where I am you will be also. Brothers and sisters, God has given us so much to delight in him, to find pleasure and satisfaction in him as his children. All that he is, all that he's done, all he's doing and will do in our lives is far beyond what we deserve, far beyond our comprehension, as we see through a darkened glass. It should cause our hearts to overflow with love and gratitude, with delight and satisfaction in the wonderful God we serve. I'm sure I haven't even scratched the surface of delighting in God. Jesus said in John chapter 8, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you shall know that I am he. I do nothing of myself, but as my Father had taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone for I always do those things that pleased him. Jesus is saying it was his delight to please his Father at all times, all circumstances, either good or bad. It didn't make any difference. Psalm 40, he says, I delight to do your will, my God. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 1, please. Nehemiah 1, verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Achilah. And it came to pass in the month of Chislew, in the twentieth year as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came he and certain men of Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down. The gates are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned certain days, fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him, observe his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive, your eyes open, that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I, my father's house, have sinned. Nehemiah delighted in the Lord his God. His pleasure and his satisfaction was in serving his God. Even when he was in captivity, he remained faithful to his God. Notice it doesn't say the Lord spoke to Nehemiah and told him to go to Jerusalem and build the walls. There was no prophecy given to him from any man. But when he heard the news that the walls of Jerusalem that he loved were broken down. I believe God stirred up that desire in him. God saw the heart of Nehemiah and knew he had a love for God. He had a love for God's people and a love for Jerusalem. And notice, Nehemiah turned his desire that God put in that heart of his to prayer. He went right to prayer. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. Brothers and sisters, when God puts a desire in my heart or your heart, we need to bathe that desire in prayer, like Brother Brian shared with us this morning. When God saw Nehemiah's reaction to the walls of Jerusalem being broken down and heard the prayers of Nehemiah expressed from his heart, and his prayers, the prayers of Nehemiah aligned with God's will for him and his will for Jerusalem, God encouraged Nehemiah to act. God was blessed to answer the prayer of his servant, Nehemiah. I believe the Lord will always put in our hearts a desire for greater service for him, a love for his church, his people, and the souls of men and women who are bound by the enemy. In my own life, about a year after I retired from Living Word Academy as principal, I was seeking God's will for me with all my heart. I didn't know what God wanted me to do. My wife came home from the hairdressers one day and told me about a dermatologist. Her hairdresser told her about it, one of the local hospitals, who could help me with a few sunspots on my face. The dermatologist was in the physician's office building being connected to that hospital. As I was leaving his office, On my second appointment, I had a thought. I wonder what it would be like to volunteer at that hospital. So I went to the volunteer office, and with a few months of background checks, I was volunteering. I had a choice of volunteer positions, and the position I chose was to visit patients on the third, fourth, and sixth floors and offer them coloring books, puzzles, glasses, and other items and to listen to them speak to me if they so desired. My goal, however, was different. My goal was to witness to as many patients as God put in my path, and he did. I was there for two years. I had to resign. In those two years, God had me pray with many patients for salvation. Edna, 89 years old. Akeem, the son of a pastor, shot seven times with an Uzi Evan a man hit by a car a drug addict who began his addiction with marijuana went to cocaine and finally to heroin Amy 65 years old whose arm looked like a pin cushion after 45 years of heroin use Teresa the cleaning lady cried when she prayed with me coming off the elevator Danny Danny whose brother Ray asked me to do his funeral, and I did. Sarah, who the devil told to jump out of her car, out of the taxi cab, going 35 miles an hour, and she did, and she broke both legs and both arms. Karen, a lover and rider of horses, who cried tears of repentance when praying with me. Carl Placido, a high school classmate, I hadn't seen in 50 years, who had Alzheimer's, couldn't remember what he had for lunch, but he remembered everything about me in our high school days. He said to me, Phil, I haven't lived a very good life, but I shared Christ with him. And after he prayed with me, I told him his future was bright. I don't care what his past had been. And that the best life he could ever imagine was his eternal life with Jesus. I prayed with so many souls, and to this day, four years later, I still have a relationship with Edna. Actually, I spoke to her today. She's 93 years old in a nursing home. She still has and reads the giant print Bible I gave her, and I call her every month. She always tells me, Phil, it's so good to hear your voice. Akeem, who was shot seven times with an Uzi, has become a close friend of mine. I've invited him out to church, but he's not here. God not only fulfills the desires of our heart, brothers and sisters, he inspires them. He plants that desire in us. He waters us, waters it, and he makes it grow. Never in a million years could I imagine God giving me such a desire and a wonderful ministry at the hospital. I truly believe God put that desire in my mind and my heart, and I believe it was something God wanted me to do that brought fruit for his kingdom and glory to his name. When our, our Lord puts a desire in your heart or my heart that's aligned with his will, he will get the glory. There will be fruit from that desire. Just there was fruit with Nehemiah in my time at the hospital. However, we should also consider that at times the desires of our heart may not be aligned with God's will for us. And if we act on those desires, the outcome may not be pleasant. We can forfeit God's will for us, and God will not be glorified. Turn to Genesis chapter 1, please. How are we doing? We're doing all right. Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created in him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish, the sea, the fowl, the air, over every living creature that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, every tree in which the fruit of the tree yielding seed, To you it shall be for meat. And in verse 31 it says, And God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. When God created everything in the earth he wanted to create, he said it was very good. He didn't want anything else. He created a world without pain, a world without suffering, a world without sickness and disease. He created the most beautiful colors for the eye to see. He created the most melodious sounds for the ear to hear. He created the most delicious tastes for human taste buds. He created the most pleasant fragrances for the nose to smell. He created a perfect Adam and Eve to live in the goodness that he created. And I believe Adam and Eve delighted in God and found pleasure and satisfaction in him and in his creation. But along came the devil, who hates God, who hates God's creation, hates men and women. He tempts men and women to sin. He tempted them to abandon their delight in God, forfeit their pleasure and satisfaction in God, and God's creation, surrender their desires to their flesh. Adam and Eve chose to disobey God's command and sin against God, to go beyond all that God had given them, to satisfy them, brothers and sisters, there's no record of Adam and Eve ever seeking God before acting on those desires. They were led by their lusts, and outcome of that fatal decision initiated the evil fruit of sin on the whole human race, and that is intensified to this day. The devil hasn't changed, and he continues to blind the minds of men and women from the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. He will do everything in his limited power to discourage men and women, and especially Christians, from delighting in God, from finding pleasure and satisfaction in God alone and in God's creation. He will tempt us to delight only in our flesh. A few weeks after retiring from the academy, after 12 years of serving the Lord, This is before the hospital experience. I wanted so much to serve him, to continue to serve him. I didn't know what God wanted me to do. I became aware of a need at the Salvation Army Apartments down near Central Tech High School to teach a course on child development. I taught that course here to many of you. I enjoyed teaching that course. And I look forward to this new opportunity. However, I was so anxious to serve the Lord that I didn't seek the Lord to determine if that was what He wanted me to do. And I neglected to pray about it, but I acted on my desires. My heart was in the right place, but God didn't back up my desires because my desire was not aligned with His will for me. I believe I was led by my flesh, not by God's Spirit. And I walked right into the stronghold of the devil. These young single mothers had absolutely no desire about child development, no desire about the Lord. It was a disaster from start to finish. God was not glorified, and it produced no fruit for his kingdom. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 3, please. 1 Kings 3, verse 7. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant, this is Solomon, king instead of David my father. I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people. That cannot be numbered, nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. And for who is able to judge this day, thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because you have asked this thing, hast not asked for thyself a long life, Riches, life of your enemies, but as asked for thyself understanding to discernment, judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before, neither after thee shall anyone rise like unto thee. God gave Solomon the desires of his heart. Because the desires of Solomon's heart at this particular time aligned with God's will for him. God wanted the best for Solomon. Turn to chapter 11, please. Chapter 11, verse 1. King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, and whateverites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go to them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. He had 700 wives, princesses, concubines. His wives turned away his heart. So Solomon, the desire of Solomon for wisdom was forfeited. He forfeited that desire. God gave him everything he wanted. He gave him wisdom, greater wisdom than any man ever lived and aligned with God's will for him. But he was not faithful to the Lord in his heart, and he made a mess of his life and the mess of other people's lives because he lost his desire to delight only in the Lord, to find pleasure in and be satisfied only with the Lord. The lust of his eyes and flesh caused him to delight in the delicacies and pleasures of this life, forfeit his delight in God. The devil will do everything God allows him to do to cause you and I to forfeit our desire, our delight in the Lord. Cause us to find pleasure and satisfaction elsewhere. God may give us the desires of our heart, but our hearts may not be satisfied with what He has given us. Like Solomon, maybe He'll answer our answer a desire for a spouse. But are we satisfied with our spouse, or do we become impatient, critical, mean, demeaning to our spouse? God may give us the desires of our heart for a better job, increased income, and then we're promoted. We we neglect to give God's church the 10% that's due him. We neglect the poor and the hungry. God may give us desires of our heart for children, and we don't provide a godly example for them to follow, or we neglect to teach them God's word, or we fail to bring them to the assembly as is necessary. My father was a good father. He was a good provider. He used to lay on the po- couch every day and read the Bible. But you know, not once, not once did my father say, Philip, come here, I want to teach you something from the Bible. No, not once. I didn't learn anything about, until the, from the Bible until I was 35 years old. God may give us the desires of our heart for children, Like I said, but we don't do what we're supposed to. And God may give us the desires of our heart, but we may have to wait, like Brother Don said, for those desires to be fulfilled. Turn to Genesis 12, please. You still with me? Genesis 12. God's Word is so good, isn't it? Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee, make thy name great. You shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, curse him that curseth thee. In thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. Lot went with him and Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. God calls Abraham, Abram at 75 years of age. Tells him he will be the father of a great nation. What a promise from God. How Abraham must have delighted in God who was speaking to him. The God of the heavens and the earth speaking to Abram, telling him he'd be a father of a great nation. Do you think Abraham found pleasure in speaking with a God who was totally satisfied in God and in what God was telling him? Absolutely! It was beyond anything Abraham could ever think or imagine. But we read in Genesis 17... Abram was ninety-nine years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin and was without a natural child born to him and Sarah and his wife. Twenty-four years have passed. Ishmael, his son through the Egyptian Hagar, was born. Yet no natural son for Abraham. Twenty-four years. Did Abraham still have that desire that God put in his heart 24 years earlier? Or was that desire waning? Was he still delighting in God as he did 24 years ago? Did he still find pleasure and satisfaction in the Lord for his plan for his life? He was now 99 years old. Had Abraham given up the hope of ever having a child of his own through Sarah, his wife? But in chapter 18, the Lord appears to Abraham, tells him, Sarah will have a son. Yet both of them were were well beyond beyond childbearing age. Sarah laughed at the prospect of having a son in her old age. In chapter 21, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. The Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. Sarah conceived, bare Abraham a son in his old age, 99 years old. 24 years after the promise, at the set time in which God had spoken to him, and Abraham called him Isaac. Brothers and sisters, the Lord asked Abraham, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? The Lord surely put the desire of offspring in Abraham's heart when he was 75 years old. The Lord is not restricted by our time schedule or when we think the Lord will grant the desire. He has put in our heart. God's ways are not our ways. God's timing is not our timing. When we think God should act on those desires, He's put in our heart. God is sovereign and control of those desires. He may not act when we think He will. If the Lord has truly placed a desire in your heart or mine, we need to trust Him to honor that desire regardless of how long. We have to wait. His timing of that desire will bring him glory and he will see the fruit of that desire come to pass. Moses was 40 years in the wilderness of Midian before God called him to lead God's people out of bondage. King David, from his youth of approximately 15 years of age, was anointed by Samuel to be king of Israel, became king when he was about 30 years old. Fifteen years of training, preparation. When Jesus was 12 years old, he told his parents who had left him in Jerusalem, I must be about my father's business. Eighteen years later, he began his public ministry. Jesus and these great men of God waited for God's timing, and God granted them the desires of their hearts. Let me end tonight with two reflections on two scriptures. Revelation 21 4 reads, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, crying, nor more pain, for the former things are passed away. What a promise, brothers and sisters. Tim Keller has a great book, Jesus the King. Toward the end of the book, Tim Keller's book, he writes about Joni Erickson Tata. You know Joni Erickson Tata? How many of you know Joni Erikson Tata? Okay. Keller says about her when she was 17, she had a swimming accident that left her paralyzed from the neck down, a quadriplegic. It took her many years to come to terms with her situation, but she would go to church in a wheelchair. What I personally remember reading about her in her autobiography was her struggle with anger, depression, and religious doubts during the first two years of her rehabilitation. She was frustrated because when others kneeled at church, she couldn't kneel. At a convention, the speaker urged people to get down on their knees and pray. She couldn't. But she was thinking while sitting in her wheelchair these thoughts, according to Tim Keller. I will one day with shriveled bent fingers, atrophied muscles, gnarled knees, and no feeling from the shoulders down, I will one day have a new body, light, bright, and clothed in righteousness, powerful and dazzling, I will be free to jump up, dance, kick, and do aerobics. And the first thing I plan to do on my resurrected legs is to drop on my grateful, glorified knees. I will quietly kneel at the feet of Jesus Christ. Joni Erickson Tata has lived her life delighting in the Lord and finding true pleasure and satisfaction in Jesus not in her disability and i know jesus will fulfill those desires she expressed from her heart apostle paul said in second corinthians our light affliction which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more ex- for mo- a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory and one final thought in 2 Samuel, chapter 12, we read, these are the words of King David, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. This is a very sad chapter in King David's life. The baby he conceived with Bathsheba died. He died at birth. King David refused to fast. He said, what good would it do to fast? But King David knew there was life after death, and he knew his child went to heaven after the child died, and he also knew he would see him one day in heaven. Brothers and sisters, abortion is so readily accepted by the general population and it's murder. It's an evil act committed by the mother. And in most cases, most cases, I would think, the mother being unaware of the consequences of that abortion or even believing the aborted fetus was a person with a soul, a spirit, and a flesh, even though it was undeveloped. And I say, Lord, have mercy on those mothers. Save their souls. Let them see the truth. Sixty-five million souls or more have been aborted in our nation alone. Sixty-five million souls who are now in heaven like the son of King David. I have no idea what they look like. I have no idea what we're going to look like. But I trust that God has taken great care of them and loved them as his own. These aborted babies had no opportunity to delight in the Lord on this earth. But now, in the presence of God, they are delighting in Him for all eternity. They are totally and completely satisfied in their Creator. Sometimes God allows what He hates to accomplish what He loves. One day, Their incomplete human bodies, wherever they are on this earth, will be raised to a complete spiritual body, and for all eternity, they will praise the living God who created them. Delight in the Lord, my brothers and sisters. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Thank you, Jesus, for your precious word. Help us all delight and all that you are, oh God, all that you've done, all that you're doing in our lives and in this church, and all that you will do in our homes, our marriages, our children, grandchildren, this church, this community. And I pray for all of this in the name of Jesus. And they all said, amen. That's all, brothers and sisters. Have a good night. God bless you.